Hey guys, you're listening to Parties Over Podcast, and this week's episode is brought to you by Sea Dog Hard Seltzers. Liz and I love Sea Dog Hard Seltzers. We have been working with them for the last couple weeks, and we are loving it. With summer, it's just like the perfect drink. You guys know we say it every time. We can't get enough. We will talk about Sea Dog again a little bit later, but for now, let's get into this week's episode. I knew then at that moment, this was going to be really, really big. I turned to him. I was like, dude, cause he was, he was going back to Boston the next day. He, he was playing, he was not playing on sales. Like you can't leave me. You can't leave me with this. I was like, this is, this is going to be big. I kept saying, I'm like, this is big. All right, guys, welcome back to Parties Over Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Liz. Today is a Tuesday. So, like, no, it's not. It's a Wednesday. <laughs> so, recording, this is very different than last week. I was on vacation last week, and, like, I was a different girl. And now that you have some structure, you don't know the days of the week. Makes sense? Yeah, no, I just was, like, a different girl. I don't know if I was more stressed or less stressed. Vacation, Ashley, was very high-strung. Vacation Ashley put way too much on her schedule that I never even heard from her. I was on another level. I was wild. She filled up every hour of her vacation. It's like, I think the opposite of what you're supposed to do on vacation. I (laughs) had two hours. I was like, take a day to relax, though. And she's like, no. I had two hours that I kind of like wasted and I cried. I literally was like crying. It was two hours, like out of an entire week, seven days. I woke up at I think I've already told this on the last episode, but like, I am just, I'm realizing about myself. So Liz and I actually listened to a podcast the other day and they were talking about like your aura colors. Girls got to eat 10 out of 10 would recommend. And that's all I've been discussing with people for the whole week. I'm like, what's really? your color? Pretty much. I should do that. Um, makes for good conversation. Like really gets, you know, you get to know someone. Definitely. And you know how to work with that person. Liz and I were talking about that, and part of that, one of the colors was, like, purple, and it was saying, like, uh, you value experiences and stuff like that, and I am realizing about myself that I definitely measure my, like, worth, I guess. I don't really know if that's the right word, but, like, I measure my success of a day, kind of, if I made a lot of memories, like, and had experiences which is oh yeah we're the same in that way where we're like oh my god we wasted a day or I can't even sleep in anymore I cannot believe that I used to sleep in and now if it's like 10 o'clock I'm like there's a couple hours I missed and it's sunny out crazy it's psycho it makes me a nutcase anyways you guys should all figure out your aura colors I'd love to know I still haven't really nailed mine down quite yet what's interesting about our colors or what we thought about our colors is how they're not the same which I obviously knew they weren't going to be the same I remember her saying like what works well with certain colors and the colors that I think we both are work well together so I know we always talk about how well we work together but it just kind of validated (laughs) it for me I thought so as well because the ones we did have in common were things that are okay to have in common like experiences that was okay to have in common we know we're gonna wake up early we're gonna do something if we're doing something together we're gonna plan the day like if we're doing a weekend it's going to be the best trip of our life because it would be one thing if someone was like 
like for traveling thoughts, like if someone was, was not into experiences and we traveled together and one person wanted to hang and the other one wanted to do stuff, it would kind of not work out that well. So that was kind of nice. Do you have anything new besides that that you need to update anyone? We all know that I don't. So I don't. Oh, um, actually, I have a funny story. Lay it on me. Casey called me. She was like, did you really get new sneakers? Like, you didn't tell me you were getting new sneakers. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I annoy you guys because I can never make my own decision. And I send, like, this or this or this or this. And they have to pick everything. And I send this to, like, five different group chats. And I was like, I always send it to them. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to buy some sneakers. Ashley, you saw the ones I was I'm picking, like, though. You did have me give your opinion. I, well, I always ask for Ashley's opinion. That's, like, a <laughs> no-brainer. And she's like, I... I want you to send that stuff. Like, she's like, I want to choose everything that you do. I need to know when you're getting new sneakers. Okay, here's the thing. Casey can have it because it stresses me out because then I feel pressure to buy things. Okay. So, so Casey, it's all yours. It's all you. Today, we are interviewing Sabin Lomac from Cousins Maine Lobster, which we're very excited about because, one, I'm just going to say it. You know we love a Mainer. We love a good Mainer. And we know, you know, we love our lobster rolls. I was going to say, and of course we love lobster. And uh, we're really excited that he is taking the time to speak with us today. We'll let him tell you guys a little bit about his company that his, he has been on Shark Tank. And since then he is just like exploded and they are such a huge business. I saw that Cardi B was eating their lobster rolls the other day and it was like, it's really all you need to hear. Exactly. Honestly, I so my boyfriend knows Sabin from, I believe it's called Leader School, um, but I think it's the YMCA. So like a camp he went to as a kid and Sabin was his camp counselor kind of thing. So he was like, you got to get this guy on the podcast. Like he's amazing. And obviously before we record the podcast, we do a little bit of research on the guests. So we don't have nothing to talk about. Like we want to know who we're talking right. to. We're so I like, I like really... <laughs> dug in and I was like oh you know what can we talk about with him and then it just was like never ending I'm I like, know oh my God, you did this so I'm writing the outline and I sent it to Kyle and he's like wait how do you know that stuff about him and I'm like come on internet the internet yeah on it, right I'm like what do you think we do we just plug in the mic and just go for it no seriously we're profesh you all know that I love you know you know, I'm a girl. I like HGTV. I like the Food Network. So when I saw that he was on the Food Network, I'm like, all right. Now that I'm very much craving a lobster roll, let's get into the episode with Sabin. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sabin, for joining us on Parties Over Podcasts. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited to be on with you guys. The first question that we asked all of our guests was, what was your dream job growing up? My dream job growing up was to be an actor. I, uh, yeah, I loved, my mom uh, was an actor when she was young and she kind of got me into it. In Maine, there was a place called Portland Models Group, which was like, I mean, this was 80s, 90s. And uh, so she got me involved and I did commercials and all that stuff. And so that was kind of like, that was my plan. Things don't always go to plan, but that was my plan. Technically, spoiler alert for our listeners, I mean, you did get on TV, maybe not acting. That's the crazy roundabout thing is like, I I went to school for it and that was kind of my big dream. And then once I stopped chasing it as aggressively as I was chasing it, it it came back full circle with Food Network. So Wow, cool. That is very cool. Where did you go to high school? I went to high school in Scarborough, Scarborough High School, and then I went to college at Hofstra University. Hofstra is in Long Island, New York. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So what was your feelings, like your feelings growing up in Maine and how did you decide to leave Maine for college? Great question. I don't know how many people in Maine feel like this when they're in Maine. You know, Maine now is different, I think, than it was when I grew up. I'm 39, so I graduated in 99. When I grew up in Maine, I felt like people didn't even know what Maine, that was Maine was a state. I don't know if everyone, like you guys your age, think that, but that was kind of like my feeling when I grew up in Maine. Um, I would sit, I would spend summers in San Diego, and I would just think San Diego was so much cooler, and, you know, there was so many more things to do. And when I lived in, in when I was in high school, I would take the bus for some reason, my mom would allow me to get on a bus and go to New York City because my mom was crazy. <laughs> and I would go to New York City. I'd stay in youth hostels and I would just explore the city. I was fascinated with New York City, with all the culture, with all of the diversity, all of the amazing food. And really, I was into hip hop. So just, you know, the hip hop, everything was just like, oh, my God, it was, it was amazing. So I couldn't wait to get out of Maine. Long story short, I had a blast in high school. My best years of my life were high school. I, I still believe that. But couldn't wait to leave. I was the type of guy that was like, get me the hell out of there. Um, and I knew I wanted to go to New York City. So I went to Hofstra, which was like a cool campus. There was a big 30, 35,000 kids, big campus, but it was, you know, a stone's throw from New York City. So, but that's what I thought growing up in Maine. I kind of felt like, you know, no one knew what Maine was or, or, or they didn't know any Mainers. I remember when I first got to college, someone asked me a question like, where, where are you from? I said, Maine. They're like, what's that? Yeah. Had yeah. A few questions like that. Yeah. And we're like, what do you mean? I mean, and like, if there's nothing you can really give someone. We're like, we're like Canada. We're pretty yeah. close to Canada, right about Somewhere. there. So, okay. So you're in, and you said you studied, what What did you exactly study? I studied speech communications and rhetorical studies. Do you know what that means? I don't. And <laughs> drama. So I did as many plays as I possibly could, took acting classes. And I really, honestly, was really good at partying. I partied a lot. I worked a lot. I went to this, you know, I was in New York City. I was 19, 20, 21, 22. You know, it's like, wow. So it was great, great years to be young in, in New York. But um, I got a degree. I was a, I was a good student. I didn't really try hard. Um, but I guess speech communications and drama. That was what I studied. I took yoga. I took karate. I want to go there. They didn't have that at our school. No, we did not. But I think that's something that's definitely going to change is I think that they're like colleges are going to turn into, I don't even know, like I look at our curriculum, we went to Hassan in Bangor and I was looking at the curriculum the other day and there are so many interesting things now, like just podcasting, for example, you can yeah. like take classes in podcasting and I'm sure yoga is next. So very interesting. And yoga, man, that sounds perfect. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a good experience in college, which kind of leads me to my question of post-grad what was your feelings post-grad were you excited anxious where did you spend post-grad what was that like I think honestly I was the exact same as I was in high school I couldn't wait to graduate college you know I was ready I was the guy that was like I thought I was so cool I was like ah, I'm ready to be done with this and go to the next chapter you know kind of thing <laughs> um I lived in New York City I lived in Queens um I had uh, apartments in Queens various places the city I was just ready to be done. I had fun. I had a blast four years, did my thing. I was ready to kind of move on. Um, so when I left, it was kind of the same thing as high school. I had a blast, but I'm ready for my next chapter. That was kind of my thing. It wasn't like I wasn't crying at graduation day by any means. I was ready to rock. Um, I I was very, um, very much 
sure that I was going to, you know, continue in the acting world. I had done soap operas. I had done plays off Broadway. I had done small shows, you know, little bit parts in here and there. And I was doing a lot of modeling when I was that age, you know, when I was a little skinnier and, you know, had hair, I was good. And it was, <laughs> I was making a good living from it. Actually, it was really good. I also had a, as most people do in that, that, uh, field, I had a great job as a waiter. I worked at Morton's, which back then was this, you know, really nice steakhouse. It still is a steakhouse. I don't know how nice it is anymore, but it was really, really a great job. I worked in Manhattan, um, made tons of money from being a waiter, you know, so I was able to kind of live a really fun, fast life. Um, at that age, I graduated, you know, uh, I was 22. It was, you know, a month into my, tw my 22nd year, I graduated from college and there I was. So living in New York and I stayed there for another, um, another four years, roughly just three or four years doing that until I finally um, convinced myself that I want to come to, to California to kind of continue on my path uh, towards acting. Your postgrad looks very different to a lot of our listeners. You were yeah. a model in New York City living the life. Well, I don't, well, first of all, let's slow down. I wasn't like this crazy successful model, and I don't know how living the life was, but I made decent money, <laughs> and, I, and I survived, and I had fun. I mean, when you're young, like you guys are, you know, you can just have a blast and just go with it. And I think that the pressure for me, I wasn't one of those guys that was like, I have to get out of college and get a really good job. I never thought that way. I wasn't that type of guy. So I, I didn't go to college for a certain thing. I wasn't like, I'm going to, I wish I knew what I want. I wish I was like, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a, a physical trainer. I'm going to be something like, I never knew that. One thing I knew that I was decent at was being charismatic and hopefully entertaining. So I was like, all right, cool. Then that, let's try that. I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't get out of college and be like, shit, I need to, can I curse on this? Sorry, guys. Yeah, you're good. Um, I didn't get out of college and be like, yo, I need to, I need to do this one thing. So I didn't have a lot of pressure on myself. So I, I had a really fun life. So it was good. But that's, that's one of the nuggets to, to you, to you all who are listening, especially if this is like a post-grad kind of crowd is like, you guys should be enjoying your life. You should be enjoying these years. There's a lot of pressure on you to not. And that is like some self-inflicted weird energy that's not real. It's usually like inflicted either by yourself or by your parents or by like what your peers are doing. You're like, oh, Sarah got a job. You're like, oh my God, I need a job. Like, no, you don't need a job. You can do whatever you need to do. You know, travel, have fun. Obviously, COVID just thrown a little monkey wrench into that stuff. I think that you're talking literally right to us because... I think we started this podcast because we were feeling the pressures of post-grad. Mm -hmm. And I remember yeah. coming out and being like, I need a job. I need this cool life. Mm -hmm. And then we yeah. just, we made this out of it. You don't need that. You know, yeah. that's the first thing of like understanding. It's a, it's a really hard thing to understand in life, especially when you're younger. And it depends who gives you the information. You only understand the type of information that you're told. So if your parents are one way or if your friends are, your crowd is one way. My, my crowd wasn't like that. I had a, an eclectic group of friends. Um, so it was a little more socially acceptable. And my mom was a hippie. So she's like, do whatever makes you happy. To put it in perspective, my mom, when she was young, went to Europe for two months with her two girlfriends and came back two and a half years later. So, <laughs> I love that. So like no. she, she's the type of woman that if I said, hey, mom, I think I'm going to go do this. She'd be like, yeah, go do it. It's great advice for, I think a lot of people now, especially with like influencers and everyone can kind of see the entertainment lifestyle as a possibility. So I think it's also very different for our parents' generations where the only way you could really be in entertainment was being an actor or anything like that. 
I feel like we thought of like postgrad, if you're not an entertainer, you're living a boring life. So it was just very different. I don't know. I think that's kind of where it differentiates from our parents versus um, us now. Yeah, you, you guys have that as an advantage. See, that wasn't, it wasn't like that for me. It wasn't like influencers and social media. And there wasn't a wide variety of jobs that are associated with the entertainment industry that there are now, even PR, public relations, stuff like that. Like, I didn't know anything about that. If you yeah. were coming out of college right now and modeling, like you could have grown your Instagram and like you could be a model. Like, it's crazy. You could, you, you, you could do any of those things. You, I mean, you can you can grow your social network. And, and I was very well spoken, you know, so I could I could have. Like when I mentioned PR, public relations, I could have done stuff like that. I, right. I didn't really know a lot of options, and I don't think a lot of options were as exposed as they are nowadays, which are which has its positives and negatives with the exposure nowadays. It's a little right. more convoluted, as it, you know, it used to be a little more, I don't know, pure, I feel like, as I'm older. There's a lot of opportunities for people, but the moral of like kind of the, the message what we're saying is like, there's no rush. So like these for young adults that feel like just because something ends, something has to start, you have to sometimes just let it start on its own. I love that. That is great advice. Well, fast forward to you are in San Diego now, right? Yeah, I went from New York to San Diego. My uh, my family uh, lived in San Diego. So I went there for a year, lived there for a year, which was really fun and beautiful. Um, but there wasn't a lot of opportunity to act. And also um, I found it a little slow coming from New York City. So I moved up to L.A., I was flat broke. I didn't have a, I mean, honestly, I was probably the most broke I've ever been in my life. I lived with two of my buddies. We had this big house, um, still doing the same kind of thing. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I don't like being broke. That was one thing I, I never liked being. Because I, when I grew up, I grew up in a single parent family with just my mom and I. We never had money. Um, and it was embarrassing at times. You know, I, my coaches would buy my cleats to play soccer. I mean, things like that. Like, I, I really... I've been working since I was like 11 or 12 in Scarborough. I've had like 50 jobs in Scarborough because I always wanted to have money. I was like, man, I got to do a backup plan. So I got my real estate license. I was like, I'll probably never use it, but what the hell? I'll just do this one. I took classes, figured the shit out and got my real estate license, you know, fell into this weird job where I was going to be a real estate agent. I was like, oh, I'm never going to do it because I'm going to be an actor, blah, blah, blah. But I ended up being really, really good at it. I ended up finding some amazing people in Los Angeles as friends and co-workers, which is important because LA is hard to kind of crack into from a friendship perspective. I ended up making a lot of money and being successful in that field, which allowed me also to continue my passion project of acting without being so desperate because now I was making some money. So I had those two jobs and my cousin, who's from Cape Elizabeth, happened to come out to Los Angeles to visit a girl, his, his ex-girlfriend. He, he called me. He's like, Hey man, he's my baby cousin. You know, I was the oldest one. He was the baby. And he's like, Hey, do you want to get together? I was like, yeah, you know, I'll take you out. So I took him out to some swanky dinner in LA and wanted to show him a good time. We got rip roaring drunk. And while we're in the midst of our drunken debacle of a dinner, we kind of come up with the idea of wanting to do something together creative. Like, man, we should do something. We should work together. We should, oh, you know how that goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love you. And this is all. And then we're like, what if we brought lobster, Maine lobster? We brought it in and we did a food truck. And, oh, you know, we're like, wow, it's a genius idea. Oh, ah. And then, you know, we went on to drink more and 
It was a disaster. So we I've been waiting. I'm like, how is this going to come up? Like, the acting, the real estate. I'm like, where's the food truck going to play in? Yeah, no, we were, I was literally had a great life all done. I was, that was my, that was my thing. And he just happened to come and we just got really drunk one night and we were just talking. Like, and that's how this started, the podcast. I'm just <laughs> Probably. This, so many good ideas happen that way, right? I mean, <laughs> not, it's not, it's, it's not. It's not the first time you probably heard it, right? So we're there, and then we wake up the next day, and we're like, oh, I'm over, and he leaves. And he called me like two weeks later, and he's like, hey, what do you think of that idea? And honestly, I was like, it certainly didn't sound as good. And I was like, eh, I'm not really that into it, you know? And he just kept calling me and calling me. It was so annoying, so aggressive. And finally, after a while, weeks of doing this, I was like, man, this kid is not good. He's not going to let this fail, even if he tries. Because I learned about my cousin. He's just like so competitive. He played college hockey. So I set it up front. I was like, fine, let's just do it. And then we had a we had a goal, you know, on our spreadsheets to make 37 lobster rolls a day. If we did 37, we could break even. And that's all we wanted to do is break even. Now time for a quick break in the episode to talk about our partners. You guys know, as we mentioned in this episode, and we mentioned probably every week, we love Mainers. We love a Maine brand, so that's why we love this Maine hard seltzer. We love Sea Dog hard seltzers, and they are a perfect summer drink. Picture this, all right? This is the ideal Maine case scenario, okay? So right. you're you're by the ocean, all right? Wow. Eating a lobster roll. Wow. You know, perfect for this episode if you guys weren't craving one already. But ready, wait for it. You add in a hard seltzer, okay? Wow. Wow, mic drop. That's my ideal day. If that's not what my weekend looks like, I don't want it. That's all if I'm If you're saying. listening to this on a Tuesday, go do it on a Tuesday or set your reminder because you're going this weekend. Right. It's like also for our listeners that aren't from Maine, you're going to have to book a trip because that's the way you got to do it. Like we we just do summer right and Sea Dog Hard Seltzers know <laughs> They just get it. They are. They have three different flavors. And again, they're the perfect summer flavors. So we have wild blueberry. Also, how Maine? You know? How Maine. We got black cherry and we got juicy raspberry too. Oh, don't be shy. You, you knew what you were getting into when you said juicy raspberry. Liz and I love, like juicy raspberry. It's like our new word now. We're like, oh, what's up? Juicy raspberry. <laughs> Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> the real truth is the word juicy raspberry, when you're talking about seltzers, it just sounds like so tempting that my mom called me on my way home the other day and she's like, I can't listen to these ads anymore because I'm at work and like all I want is a Sea Dog hard seltzer and like juicy raspberry sounds so refreshing oh on my, a hot summer's day. My mouth day. is watering. I'm going to probably have one right after we're done recording this ad. A hundred percent. I've been waiting for it all week. So a little bit about the Sea Dog Hard Seltzers. They are just, they're 100 calories, they're gluten-free, and they're just light and refreshing, which makes them perfect for summer. We love them, and we really want you guys to try them out. So if you want to try your own Sea Dog Hard Seltzers, because I know we've made them sound so tempting on this episode. Again, we are sorry for that. We know it's a Tuesday. You're probably at work, but you'll get there. What you can do is go visit Shipyard's Tasting Room in Portland and tell them you're from Parties Over Podcast. You'll get 20% off. Or when you guys are because I know you're going to, getting a lobster roll soon and having your hard seltzer, make sure you take a picture, post it on your story, tag us at Parties Over Podcast and at Sea Dog Brewing. Let's go get a drink. And let's get back into the episode. 
So lo and behold, like a year later, we worked on it. We didn't tell anyone the whole time we were working on it because we didn't want any haters. We didn't want any negativity. A week before we opened, I told my mom, I told my friends. They're like, what? What the fuck? What is that? And then we opened <laughs> and the rest is history. You know, so now we have close to 50 locations, done probably like 70, 80 million in sales company wide since we've opened. And it was, it's been crazy. So wow. So at what point after you opened your business, did you guys decide to go on Shark Tank or what was that whole process? Yeah. First day we opened, believe it or not, we'd never done any advertising. Didn't even know what the hell we were doing. Didn't even have a register. We were awful, but our food was awesome. Um, And we flew the lobster and we flew the rolls from Maine. So we went, we opened and we had like an 80 person line and we're like, oh, we know we're trying to sell 30 of these. We didn't have any grand plans. I knew then at that moment, this was going to be really, really big. I turned to him. I was like, dude, cause he was, he was going back to Boston the next day. He, he was playing, he was not playing on sales. I was like, you can't leave me. You can't leave me with this. I was like, this is, this is going to be big. I kept saying, I'm like, this is big. And, uh, we went home that night. We counted like seven, eight grand in cash. I'm like, I had a one bedroom. We're sitting there with the money. I'm like, what is going on? We had our regular jobs, you know, to do. And uh, we got an email that night from Shark Tank and Shark, one of the producers happened to be in line that night. They met us and they were like, we thought you'd be great. Would you like to audition to go on the show? I didn't even know what that was because it was it was going into the fourth season. I don't really watch reality TV, so I I didn't know what it was. Jimmy knew. And so we talked about it. Yes, no. Yes, no. Yes. We went on it two months later. We were on and we partnered with Barbara Corcoran. So we were only in business two months and we were partnered with her. The first day. First day. A lot of just chances kind of like you guys got drunk by chance, came up with this idea. They happened to be in line on your first day. Also, Mm -hmm. that's a chance to get on a TV show for you. You're probably like, someone wants me on TV. This is my dream. Like, the whole thing was just really wild. And, And lo and behold, we went on, you know, two months later and we wanted to partner with Barbara. That's what we wanted. We got the partner from her. I mean, and then we're st- we're voted, you know, top 10 most successful Shark Tank businesses of all time. We've done a really good job with them and we've done so many follow-up episodes. And it's crazy to think how it all unfolded, you know, in hindsight, saying the story, it sounds wild, but it's all true. So you guys are a franchise now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you have so, locations all over. Yeah. We've got locations in... Um, I don't even know how many cities, you know, 25 plus cities, three in Taiwan. Uh, we have opportunities now in Dubai and Saudi Arabia, um, in the United States, pretty much every major city, you know, probably we're in like 80% of major cities right now. And we still have our own corporate owned units in Los Angeles, West Hollywood. We have a restaurant, we have our food trucks here in Sacramento and in Maine. Those are our corporate, but everything else is franchised. I'm only touching on this because I recently saw it. Cardi B was really interlocutory. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was like a did. long, she had like five stories. Yeah. All about. Yeah. Was that so was really cool. That was surprising. That was funny. Yeah. She oh was, my. she was, uh, she was into it. It was, oh it my was, God. It was so got funny. A lot, like, so much, so many people telling us that. Yeah. So it's just, I can't imagine seeing like on your stories, like people tagging you and it must yeah. be very surreal. It's really exciting. You know, people are, people, You'd be surprised how many Mainers there are out there. You'd be surprised how many people from New England or how many people used to go to Maine and how many people are in love with this type of food, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a, you know, growing up in Maine, I felt like no one knew who, where right. Maine was, right? You'd be very surprised. And a yeah. lot of those people, um, you know, 
get your ego stroked when it's a celebrity. You know, for me, I get excited, especially if it's like an athlete or something, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, you know, we've had instances, uh, we've become friends with Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was the coach of the Celtics, you know, when they won the championship and he's out here coaching the Clippers. So one day I'm, you know, standing in front of the truck, just talking and thanking people. And I look, and I'm like, is that Doc Rivers? I was like, oh, you know, and I was like, oh my God. And he came up, he's like, you're saving, right? And I'm like, what? He's like, you were like freaking he's out. Like, I'm a huge fan. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> apparently it's his favorite food. You know, when he was in Boston and, you know, he fell in love with lobster rolls because he was there. Now he lives in LA, he couldn't get it. And so he would send his, his interns and his, you know, assistants to go find our food. So lo and behold, after that, I was like, man, I was like, here's my cell phone. Let me come cater. And so we would, we've met all the players and, uh, you know, for a sports fan like me, I mean, that's exciting, but you'd be surprised how many people this food has an emotional connection with. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking is I like, I, even just watching your stories and stuff, it, especially right now in summer with Maine, there's so many people once they leave Maine or they've experienced Maine that they look at it with such a different point of view. Like you, for example, when you were here, you were like, I can't wait to get out. And now, like, now that you're not there all the time, you must just look at it with, like, such, I don't know, like, a warm embrace and, like, such good memories. It's a completely right. different perspective now. I'm an adult. I mean, I was an adult then. I didn't know anything at that point. But I'm a grown man now. I have a child. I have a son who's three, you know. And bringing him there and watching, like, and seeing the beauty, there's simplicity. There's beauty. There's there's a little bit of everything that you want in life, but it's all there too as well. It makes you really appreciate Maine more. I just had some of our our close friends. They're also franchisees in our business. And I said, I was in Maine for about seven weeks. And I've left and I have a house there. And before I rented it, I was like, man, why don't you guys come? Bring your kids. So one of them live in Dallas, one live in Vegas. And they'd never really gotten down like that in Maine. And they couldn't believe it. You know, it's life-changing experience. So living in, in being so close to so much beauty that you guys take for granted mm-hmm. because you're, you know, it's just kind of normal. It's just really, really special. So my perspective on Maine is just dramatically different than what it was when I was a kid. That's what we've noticed from our interviews. While we're on the topic, I kind of want to talk about, I know Liz and I, a lot of the point of our podcast is really trying to show people that the way you can use Maine's smallness and just like Maine's charm to its advantage. I know a lot of people when they're starting their careers or just in general, they kind of look at Maine as something that holds them back with limited opportunity, things like that. But you're clearly someone that has benefited from Maine and it's like we were just talking about, it's nostalgia, it's branding and just in general. Um, Can you kind of just touch on that? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're in the business, um, where you're selling something that is associated with the state of Maine, maple syrup, blueberries, I don't know, uh, lobster, you certainly have a a beautiful and unique story to to share. So a big part of our business is sharing our story, sharing that it is a family business and that we do come from very humble, blue-collar upbringings. Lobster to us was was a celebratory kind of thing, and it was more of a family thing. You know, probably like people in Texas eat barbecue when they get together, maybe on Sundays. And my friends, my big Italian friends in in Queens would would have pasta. Well, we had, we had lobster. That was kind of our thing, and that's kind of what meant family to us. But it's a story in Maine, and I think a lot of people forget to tell their story in general in any business, 
and in life. It's not just about our lobster. It's about the fact that what we represent, we represent hard work, we represent family, we represent tradition. And all and people from Maine, especially if you are involved in any type of business like this, that is something that you, you have uh, to tell as opposed to some geographical location. But aside from like just using the geographical aspect or like the, the product itself, I think that Mainers going back to that are inherently like blue collar, gritty, it's cold, it's tough. It is not easy. You can't be a weak person living in main winter. <laughs> no. You have like some sort of like extra gear to you, which makes you kind of work a little harder. I think understanding that and acknowledging that and embracing it helps you separate yourself from other people, first of all, and also leaning on the assets of other of other people that are from Maine and keeping it like this little tight fraternity sorority that we got going on, like this, this is something special. And what I found is most Mainers are happy to help you. They're happy to, they're happy to help you grow. They're not uh, egotistical. They're not rude. They're not proud. They're not, you know, they're not arrogant. They're like, yeah, man, that's fantastic. Let me help you. It's the same concept as going to support a small business, whether it's in COVID or any other time. You're going to support a business that's main owned or uh, locally owned or all these kind of things. Like you take pride in it. The reason you take pride in it is because you realize that that person is taking a risk. It's hard to own your own coffee shop, right? It's easier to just go to Starbucks. But if you're going to Sarah's coffee shop, it's nice to know that you're supporting a Maine or it's nice to know that you're supporting your community. And I find that people in Maine, they just have a different vibe about them. They like supporting community. So using that to your advantage and leveraging your assets, which is that you are from Maine, the authenticity, I think people really rally around you. We about this all the time. It's really funny. We always say that Mainers definitely want to help out other Mainers. Yeah, it's 100%. I think like that's a distinct difference. I don't know what it's like to be from Missouri. I'm not from Missouri. I don't know what it's like to be from Texas. I don't know if people are the same. Maybe they are the same. But I feel like people from Maine are unique. And they more often than not will help you. And they like to help. I think, too, it's just like we it's not every day that you have someone that, you know, goes out to LA to pursue acting and is on Shark Tank, things like that, that when something like, as opposed to in California, obviously, or something like that, where these people are excited about this, they want to see other people do big things being from Maine. And with that, you get that support. Like, I'm sure when you come back, you know, to Maine, people are just excited and they want to hear about your like glamorous life and they, you know, those stories and they want to support you. And that's something that you don't get everywhere where they have, or it's, it's more common. So I think that's, that's really the benefit. Um, as I think well. there's also an aspect of that where people want to support us because they want also for us to encourage people to see how you can reach your, your dreams. You can attain things that likely a lot of people think they can't. Right. So that was what we talked about in the beginning. These these limitations that you put on yourself. I'm from Maine, you know. I don't know. It's like like I'm from here. I'm from there. It's like what does that mean? Who told you that? I don't know. I just don't really know. No, you know, it's this weird thing. So for us, the more visible that we are, and that word Maine is in our business. There's a reason why it says Cousins Maine Lobster. Now it's all first of all the product that we source, but second of all, like we stand for something. So we want people in Maine to know that shit, if we can do it, you definitely can do it because we're I not the smartest that. guys in the world. Yeah, I really you know, like that. We didn't go to school for business. Let me tell you, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't plan any of this and we didn't know any of it when we did it. We just figured it out. So if you can figure something out, then you too can do exactly what we're doing. 
but you just have to do it. You just have to have the guts to do it. That's the only fundamental difference that I've seen. It's most people don't have the guts. Speaking of supporting and everything, we want our listeners to be supporting you. So I know that you're all over the Food Network and some other TV shows. Um, if you could touch on that and then maybe touch a little bit about your book that you wrote. Uh, yeah. I know that I want to read it after this yeah, for yeah. sure. So, In a wicked turn of events, Food Network just reached out kind of similar to Shark Tank and had been watching us because we, we'd done a bunch of media. Try to be engaging, try to be fun on TV, try to be likable. It's important. Um, and they asked if I would do one show here and then one show there, and it just kind of... Um, morphed into a little mini career so i've done a couple tv shows on my own i have another one shooting here in a month um, that i'm hosting and tons of guest stars on these that show so um it's been fun for me could kind of fulfill a part of my dream that i've always really wanted to do so that was really it's really really fun i enjoy doing it uh, it's great for business it's great for our brand catch me on food network hopefully and, and if you see me support me i really would appreciate everyone's support but from the book um, another inbound thing, a publisher reached out to us and said, you know, we think it would be a great story. Have you ever considered writing a book? We're like, no, we can't write anything. We can't do it. You know, what do you mean? And so we, we had someone obviously, uh, write the book itself, uh, but you know, it was conducted upon a billion interviews and questions and had to come across in our, in our, uh, words, but there's a really interesting process. And when I read it, now I find it incredibly valuable. I think it's valuable for not just entrepreneurs, but for young people who are looking to kind of find their way because we just give you different scenarios of, of where we messed up or where we excelled and they can be applicable in any job or any part in life. Most of the scenarios are just like we went with our gut and we figured the rest out. And it, why are why are our shirts black and why did we paint our first truck black and why was our branding black? Because we thought watching sports teams that had black jerseys with white, you know, looked kind of tough and eye-catching. That was it. That was the reason. <laughs> Why did we say cousins Maine lobster? Well, we're cousins, so we wanted to remind people that we're family. And we wanted to remind everyone where we're from and where our product's from. Very simple. These simple, simple things. But now when we're at a certain plateau and a certain level, you think that these are like these really smart decisions and crafty business moves. They weren't. They're really quite obvious. So we try to encourage people in the book and in general to just like trust your gut. And like if you do that and you're fearless, like 80% of the time you'll succeed. The other 20 you'll mess up. But it's okay. It's okay to mess up. I also, I know we're, we're kind of at the end here, but I did want to touch on you guys being business partners in general. How has it been working with family? How did you make that decision? Is there like what Liz and I have noticed is there's parts of each other that really equal each other out. Can you kind of touch on that? Yeah. It's been terrible. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> no, um, honestly, it's a dream come true for us because we really like each other and it's fun to work together and, you know, have our family incorporated in the business. But before we did, we actually, we took a personality assessment test, which studies what kind of person you are, because what we really didn't want to do is screw anything up and have any bad blood. What we learned through that, just like what you said is I have a lot of strengths that he doesn't have. He has a lot of strengths that I don't have. So throughout the business and the growth, we have learned to rely heavily on that and lean heavily on one another. Um, so that's helped us thrive. But it's awesome. 
what more can you trust in your family? And truthfully, we've incorporated so many of our best friends that we grew up with in our jobs now, excuse me, in high positions in Cousins Maine Lobster now. So it's not just Jimmy and I. My best friend from college, who I've known for 20 years, is the vice president of our company. He's the godfather of my son, you know, to put it in perspective. And one of our corporate trainers, Jim, played hockey with his whole life. So we have we look around and we see people in our system that have big, high-ranking jobs that are integral pieces that we've known for decades. The word family to us means more than just like blood, but you know, people that will go to war for you that really care about you. But it's really important to understand when you're growing anything, you have to have the pieces of the puzzle that aren't you. Because what I'm good at, I missed this interview twice, right? I'm terrible with my schedule, right? And so so that's something that I always have to know. I have to know that and I have to have someone help me. Hey, well, you, you're supposed to do this. I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. And throughout growing a business or a podcast or anything, you just have to balance off what you guys lack. That is great advice because the fact that you said being able to like go to war for each other is something that someone, I can't remember who it was, gave us advice on too. And it's just like, who do you want to be in the trenches with? And like, can you, can you dig through that with someone else or will like the bad parts bring out the bad parts in your relationship? So that's why I, I share the story about him calling me nonstop. That's why I did the business because I was like, this guy will never let it fail. He's so annoying. He won't leave me alone. <laughs> I guess and I have so to say yes. Right. And if there's something to go to war, I know he's going to, he's going to, he's not going to back down. Right. You know, and that's what you need. It's, it's hard to find, but, but um, whether it's family or whether it's friends, like you, ha- you have to have people that think of, if, especially if you own your own business that are willing to do that. It's hard, but it's, in, it's imperative. Our last question is if you could go back and tell yourself one thing when you were graduating, what would you say? One thing. There's so many. I mean, if it's two, like it's okay. I would say just just so I can throw it out there. I would say, trust your gut. Okay. But there's one thing, but I would say overall, just to be fearless. I think that's probably the fundamental difference between whenever I've made mistakes in life, I've been fearful. Whenever I've I've been timid, I've had pause. I didn't trust my gut. I was like, uh. but when I've been fearless and I've gone after it and I believed in myself, I still have made mistakes, but way more times than not, I've succeeded. I think that fear is what keeps people in their lane in life. And that fear can be driven by what your mom told you, your dad told you, the story about someone that you heard that tried to go do this, that you, oh, shit, I don't want that to happen to me. You know, these weird things that you hear through the grapevine or society or social media, whatever it is, it's not real. And it's certainly not your story. So being fearless is really, really important. And just saying, no, I'm going to go do this. And that's going to happen that way. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen, whatever. Bet on yourself. Most successful people that I've met, that's the only real difference. You meet multimillionaires or these sexy people that you put on a pedestal and you meet them and they're exactly like every other person. They just didn't take no for an answer. They were just fearless. So if it was me, I would say be fearless. And if I was talking to you guys or your listeners, I'd say the same thing. Go after everything you want and don't settle for anything less than that. I know I we said the last thing, but really my question, like, off of that is, is it worth it? Like, I know a lot of people right now, they think about like, they have these dreams. And I think the further you get away from like post-grad is you start to settle in and be like, you know what, I'll just live the way everyone else does. And I think what we're really trying to get the message across is hearing from people that didn't just kind of settle into that. Um, 
And yeah, can you just tell us like um, it was well, worth it to keep pushing? Well, if you're listening to this and you're and you, that's the type of person you are, then yeah, of course it's worth it. Never, ever, ever. You'll live like you don't want to be living a life that you you have your own person to look in the mirror. If you don't want to be that person and you do know exactly what you want to do and you want to have a certain kind of life that is a little more stable or a little more in your lane like that, then you should stay live that life. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm very different than some of my closest friends that are opposite of me. We're both living happy lives. But for me, the guy that I was, I couldn't have done that other way. There was it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a really possibility. Just I'm too wild. But it's so worth it because it's fulfilling and it's exciting and it's challenging. So for me, can you guys hear this crazy noise upstairs? Yeah. I don't it was my son just doing crazy. He's crazy. We can't, um, but last episode we had a cricket that we were like, oh, they can't hear the cricket. Uh, the cricket. He's like doing, he's revolting against society or something. <laughs> like that, right? uh, no, it's a hundred percent worth it. So if you're listening and I really like what you guys are doing, just especially this like idea of being post-grad and what that means. Like I never thought about it that way when I was your age. I was just continuing to have fun and live my life. Life is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be having fun. Don't take it too seriously because when you get to be my age, you really have to take it seriously. I'm 39, right? So like I'm a little older than you guys. I have to take it a little more seriously. Trust me, I still get it in with fun. You guys have the choice of like, you guys should have fun. You should try as many different things as you can. You should say, I really love podcasting, but I also want to try this or I might want to do this. Or if it's you know what it is, then fucking do it and go hard, hard, hard and go do it. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't. And if you have that tenacity and genuine like real passion, people will rally around you. They'll they'll feel how authentic you are and they'll rally around you. So it's definitely worth it. Well, I love that. I'm feeling not, so amped up right now. Know. You should. That's how. That's the mentality you have to have, though. It's all real. And when you meet people who are doing what you admire to do, whether it's a really good podcaster or whether it's this, that, and the other, you'll see they have the same energy. It's the same energy. And they believe in themselves. They'll bet on themselves every day of the week. I don't think anyone's going to outwork me. Anyone. That's just my mentality. If someone wants to to come at me and do what I do, they have to be willing to put in that work, just like you guys. So that's my advice to, to young people in general. But party and have fun too, because <laughs> not that serious. Exactly. My mom came on the podcast and she was like, because it's named Party's Over, she's like, I just want to let all the listeners know the party is just beginning. Yeah, it's just, it is. It's just that's starting. So, that's very funny. It must be a mom thing. My mom did the same thing. We have sweatshirts that say Party's Over and she put duct tape with all our friends on a girl's night and they all wore them and says Party's On and they're all like, <laughs> so funny so you guys but, have so you have supportive supportive moms and supportive role models so we do so if they're not tripping you shouldn't be you should be just enjoying yourself having fun you got Perfect. time to figure it all out well thank you so much for coming on and liz that was a good one let's go get a lobster roll yeah, yeah. i think you would say that <laughs>